I'm sure you can imagine that there are uh, many, uh, many surveys of uh, religious organizations, churches, and people professing to have any measure of, of faith in their life. Uh, one of the groups that regularly uh, takes a look at uh, American, uh, the American religious landscape uh, is called uh, the Pew Study. And uh, one of their questions, and this was uh, uh, adults who uh, identified with a specific religion, they were asked whether they see their religion as, quote, the one true, one true faith leading to eternal life, close quote, or if in their view, quote again, many religions can lead to eternal life. Perhaps surprisingly, at least for me, two-thirds of uh, Christians believe that many religions can lead to eternal life, and 50% of all those professing to be Christian believe some non-Christian religions can lead to everlasting life. Now, you can choose to believe that, and maybe you do believe that. And if you do, you're most welcome here. But I, I want you to leave here at least today knowing that if you do believe that, then you believe contrary to what Jesus said. So let's read this passage and see just what he does say. We're going to pick up in John 14 with verse 4. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, uh, from, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you help us today to really want to hear and to know and to grasp what Jesus said and what he taught and perhaps even why he taught it. We need your help in that because, Lord, admittedly, goes against what the world we live in would want us to say. So, Lord, give us your grace and strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I didn't give you the the background uh, of where we were last week. Let me just take you back the few verses we looked at uh, last Sunday, Jesus had said to these disciples who had such troubled hearts, and we went over all the reasons why their hearts were troubled. Many of them were, uh, the reasons were because of what Jesus had just taught them, and many of the reasons their hearts would, would potentially continue to be troubled was what they were about to face and what they were going to see Jesus face. So he said to them, let not, your, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. So Jesus gives uh, the disciples these incredibly comforting words. He knew their hearts. He knew that they were, uh, had been ripped apart in the last few minutes of what he had, had taught them, and he knew that they were going to be facing Uh, some of the darkest moments from their perspective of their life. And in the middle of that, he says, but you can do this without troubled hearts. And he tells them why. And he gives them a, a, a big perspective. He takes them for a moment out of that room and says, look, I'm... I'm going to go away. You can't follow me and all of that. And, that. and that's why their hearts were troubled. But he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and then we'll be together again. So he, he gives them this comfort and he tells them, you know the way to where I'm going. And then it says in our passage for today, Thomas said to him, Now let's stop before we see what Thomas said to him. Because Peter gets credit and blame a lot of times, blame for the many things that he he says to Jesus when he blurts out what everybody else is thinking. But he also gets credit 
for uh, his amazing confession of who Jesus is. The Christ, the Son of the living God. And so that's Peter. Now Thomas, who I'm also very fond of, he gets credit for, well, doubting. That's what he gets credit for. He got labeled that, and he, he never was able to shake that. Well, he wasn't labeled that in his life, but we all call him that, and they have down, apparently, uh, through the centuries. And that was when he was con- confronted that Jesus was alive. But this is a statement that he's about to make, a question actually, and I think he should get credit for asking maybe one of the most important questions or at least a question uh, that when Jesus answered it, clarified for all time who Jesus was. So he says this. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? I just have to think, this is pure speculation, I have to think Peter looked over and said, hey, I was about to ask that same question. (laughs) But Thomas beat him to the punch here. How How can we know the way? And then here's the answer. I am the way. And the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's take a look. We're gonna we're gonna hone in on this today. The first thing we, we need to see is, uh, and it seems so obvious. And by the way, it might be obvious to us here in this sanctuary but it's obviously not obvious to the rest of the world. There is a way to God. There is a way to God. Now, several things to know about that. If there is a way to God, then only God himself could make it known. It's not up to... uh, his creation, his creatures to decide what the way to God really is. Only God can say how people can get to him. Secondly, not only is there a way, but God provided that way. And this is very much related. The third thing is, if there is a way, it is purely because of grace. Now, grace we might call undeserved favor. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. But let me just say this right up front. God didn't know us a way. He did not have to provide a way to himself. And the fourth thing is the way God revealed is not 
what we would expect, and it's also not what we would invent. Let's take a look. So there is a way to God. What is that way? Well, the way is a person. Again, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the way that God provided is a person. It is not a system. It's not a, a philosophy. It's not an activity or many activities. It's not an achievement. It's not some grand scale in the sky where we hope against hope that, that the good things we do outweigh the, the bad things that we have done. It's not that. It is a person. Now, here's something, and we, we talk about this often, but we need to understand that you can always distinguish man-made-up religions because they are always man-centered and they are always about what man can do to get to God. And man-made-up religions are always about man making his way to God. Only Christianity, only Christianity is about God coming to man. Now, that's what we, we celebrate that uh, all during Advent, the incarnation, God taking on, on flesh and so on. And you know what? To other religions, that's absolute blasphemy to talk about uh, God becoming man and to talk about that one who continued to be God suffering and dying. That is blasphemy to other world religions. So there's a way to God. That way is a person. Here's the key. There is only one way to God. Jesus said, and here's the kicker for many, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's not the first time that Jesus had made the claim to be the exclusive way to God. In fact, this is the sixth of his seven I am statements. We've, we've hit them. Remember, the I am statements are when he's basically claiming to be God because that was God's name in the Old Testament. But let's think back to the, the other statements 
the I am statements that he has made. They're all recorded in John. And I want you to, to catch that all of them have the definite article. I am the bread of life. Not I am bread of life, I am a bread of life, anything like that. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. So each time Jesus says that he is the exclusive one that fulfills that claim, not one of many that can fulfill that claim, and likewise here, Jesus made it clear he is the way and not a way to the Father. Now, these are not the only places that the claim is made. Jesus was not the only one to make that claim. Uh, in your worship guide, uh, in the outline, you see these other passages. Let me quickly hit them. Acts 4.12, there's no other name, and there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 1 Timothy 2.5, this is the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, only one. 1 John 5, 11, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, you may, <clears throat> even if you say, okay, I, I get it, but, but why is there only one way? Do you remember our call to worship today? Let me, let me remind you what we all said in Psalm 24. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? That's salvation, right? Going to the hill of the Lord, standing in his holy place. Here's, here's who can do that. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Now, if you were paying close enough attention to that, when we said it, You might have said, uh, oh boy, I'm in trouble. If that's what's required, you might have sensed that. Well, if you're outside of Christ, you are in trouble in terms of achieving this. But that's why there's only one way, because the only way to stand in God's holy place is to have hands that have never sinned and a heart that is perfectly pure and no falsehood or deceit within it. So there's only one way because there's only one 
whoever went through this life like that? Jesus Christ. That's why there's only one way to the Father. Because there's only one that ever achieved that. You've probably seen the bumper sticker, and there's a couple different versions of it, coexist or tolerance. And it, on those bumper stickers, maybe, maybe you have it on your car. You don't have to run out there and scrape it off before somebody sees it. Uh, this is not about that. It's, it's a perspective. It, it, those bumper stickers, though, are um, they're made up, the letters are made up of symbols of the different world religions and the peace sign, um, which was the religion of the, the 60s, as I remember. I suspect that uh, usually the person putting that on their bumper, and there's all kinds of reasons, they may not look like at it kind of like I do. I, I suspect... Um, it is a live and let live, and can't we all get along? Everyone has a right to their view. And you know what? Um, I basically agree with that. I, I look at it as an affirmation of pluralism. Now, let me, let's talk about pluralism. It, it's a doctrine of our country and it should include respect for others that believe differently. And in our country, pluralism in includes freedom. To that degree, I accept pluralism. Pluralism is one of the things that gives us Christians here in this country freedom to worship. But here's how we also need to look at pluralism. Tolerance and respect and freedom does not constitute affirmation. In other words, it does not mean that all of those religions are equally true. In fact, they aren't. In fact, they can't be because they contradict one another. And any who really hold to the tenets of those religions will admit that, that my religion contradicts that religion. So pluralism, in my view, is basically saying that everyone has an equal right to be wrong. <laughs> a right to be wrong here in our country. That's, that's not how most people look at it. But when Jesus says, let's get back to the word here. When, when Jesus says there's only one way to God, he absolutely ruled out anyone saying that Christianity fits perfectly with all these other religions. Some say, from these other religions, some say, well, 
we think he was a great prophet or a great teacher or a great example. Some of the other religions concede that about Jesus. But here's the problem with that. He can't be a great prophet if his words aren't true. He can't be a great teacher if his words aren't true. And he can't be a great example if he lies about how to get to God. He is either the only way, like he said, or he is not even a way to God because he's a liar. And he's the one that forced that issue when he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Some will claim, well, if, if there's only one way, then God is too narrow. Now, to state that is just a massive misunderstanding of who God is and who man is. It implies that God needed to make it easier, broader. Let's review, though. Go back to the very beginning. God created man in, in, perfect, in a perfect state. And man chose his own way. And ever since that time, God has worked a plan to save his people. Ever since that time. He made a covenant to be the God of his people. And men broke it over and over and over again. And man made idols to worship in the place of the God who had graciously said, I will be your God. He sent the prophets. And men rejected their message and persecuted or killed them. Ultimately, because man could never get to him, he sent his one and only son to take on flesh. And they crucified him. But even that was a part of his gracious plan to save his people. And he continues to freely offer salvation to those who would believe. And some will still say, it's not enough. The fact is, God owes us no way to heaven. And yet, by his grace, he offers us a definitive way, one that always works, one that has been so clearly stated. It's not a mystery. We don't have to wonder. It's a promise. And one last thing in this. What about our attitude in it? Listen to this critique of Christianity. Christianity is a contentious faith which requires an all-or-nothing commitment 
to Jesus as the one and only incarnation of the Son of God. Now, that's meant as a criticism, but I actually agree with that assessment up to that point. But then he goes on, saying Christians are uncompromising, ornery, militant, rigorous, imperious, and invincibly self-righteous. Now, that's where I disagree. Oh, I'm not going to say there aren't some ordinary Christians. <laughs> and I also wouldn't say that there aren't some that are very self-righteous, even in saying that Jesus is the only way. We must always guard ourselves over us being the offense of Christianity. The offense of Christianity is the cross, and it should not be us. And any kind of prideful or arrogant attitude, we always have to guard our hearts in that. So no Christian should come across as self-righteous. Our only righteousness is in Jesus Christ. But our answer when we are called too narrow, when we are called prideful, and that has not been our intent, our answer is that, that Christ is not the only way, be, I would say, because, because Dale Weldon says he's the only way, you insert your name there. That's not why he's the only way. He's the only way because Jesus said it. And I happen to believe he is who he says he is. And that's not prideful. It is bowing to his will and choosing to believe his words. And that's not arrogance. It is merely being a follower and a believer in the King of Kings. Let's bow together. Lord, will you cleanse us of any sense of pride when it comes to the gospel? We have no right. The fact that you, you gave us Jesus was our only hope. And so, Lord, will you help us always to share that with compassion and never with arrogance, with humility, a humility that when we, when we realize there's only one way and you, you gave us hearts that could believe that, that humility that drives us to worship you. Will you give us that, Lord? 
will you? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.